freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode, what are we on, 65, Dan, of Gun Freedom Radio. You're making me feel older, Cheryl. (laughs) Well, I just, I'm so excited about the journey that we've traveled over the last 65 episodes. We've had some incredible guests, uh, talked about some incredible topics, um, and today is is really just right up there. We've had a, a great time. Uh, we are, of course, looking forward to our responsibly our citizen report and Dan's commentary towards mm. the end of our show. But our theme today is American Revival. And what we're talking about is our responsibility as citizens. How do we resuscitate and regain consciousness over our personal responsibility in the political process, over our constitutional rights, and as an American voter? But also, what are our responsibilities to engage the everyday world around us, keeping ourselves and those we love safe. Well, our next guest is founder of Active Self-Protection. He's also uh, the head instructor there. He's a Christian. He's a pastor. He's a U.S. Navy veteran, a devoted husband and father. Uh, John Correa, you you wear many, many hats. Are you with us, John? I sure am. Thanks for having me on. You make me sound so good. Oh, I am just reading the truth, sir. You are. And thank you for your service to our country. I, I We value that so much. And My so, pleasure. So I... I my, go go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, matter of fact, my son just enlisted to do the very same thing I used to do. So. Oh, wow. That is awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty that, neat. He won't, he won't leave for boot camp until after his high school graduation in the spring, but... Uh, the tradition continues. That is a family legacy, and I'm so glad that, that you shared that with us. Well, John, I reached out to you because ever since the election results, we've been seeing all these, you know, protests. Fine, no problem. But some of them turn into riots. Some of them start as riots. And yeah. one of our friends uh, posted up a picture of a, a pregnant lady sitting in her car, surrounded by people who were agitated, couldn't quite tell if it was a riot or not. And and we were floating the ideas about what do you do if you find yourself in this scenario? Is there cause for, um, you know, for getting your gun out? Like somebody that teaches uh, what you teach with the level head that you have, I just felt like, you know, active self-protection. That, that just is the perfect fit. So I reached out to you and I said, we have to talk about this. So help us understand a little bit more about well, that. I- you know, the things that I see that worry me are people who say, you know, if you see anybody, they're in a protest like that, they're in the road, just hit the gas, smash them all, you're fine, it's great, everything's cool. Because that can land you in jail. And, and I mean, more than that, as Christians, uh, we, we're held to a standard not by the law, but by the Lord. And, mm. and so we want to be not only lawful self-defenders, moral and godly self-defenders. Mm. So we gotta, we, we got to have a higher standard than that. So the standard, though, of the law, I think, is a moral standard, and, and that is 
uh, especially here in Arizona. But but the standard is the same throughout America. You know, you have five pillars of lawful self-defense, and those are innocence, imminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. And they apply no matter what situation you're in, no matter where you live, they are the same. And so you know, of course, it's very scary if you're stuck in a spot in your car that you can't go anywhere and uh, you could potentially be at risk. And I mean, I think anybody who saw that picture of the woman who was pregnant, who was needing to get, I think, to a medical emergency of some other kind, who was, you know, stuck in this traffic and was scared to death and crying. Uh, and, and anybody who could look at that without compassion and think, gosh, this woman's in a bad spot is just heartless. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, what can we do? Mm-hmm. Well, I think here's the thing. First of all, imminence says, oh, innocence says you can't be the aggressor and you can't be the provoker. Um, I've seen a couple instances of people seeing a protest and then they turn their car around to go into that protest to confront people. Ooh. Well, you can lose your innocence status by doing that. Mm-hmm. If you can see things coming, de-escalate, escape and evade at your earliest opportunity. You see a crowd forming, get out of there. If you hear reports of there being protests in an area, don't go there unless you absolutely have to. And even if you do absolutely have to, find a way to not have to. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's your best bet. Now, if you get caught in one and they do happen, you know, I have friends who actually have been, you know, they get they get surrounded and and there was nothing they could do. You're sitting in a light. Next thing you know, you got four rounds. Yeah. Mm. The other ones start to come into play. First of all is imminence. You know, you can't defend yourself too early and you can't defend yourself too late because then it's too late and, and the, the effect has happened. So it's got to be the right time and uh, particularly for the right kind of force. Proportionality says that you can use that force which is reasonable to protect yourself from an imminent reasonable threat. Now, there's no shades of deadly force. If somebody's trying to kill you, there's only deadly force in return. Okay, so there's no shades. If it's not deadly force, well, then there are shades. You, you can use that which is threatened against you. In other words, you can't uh, respond to verbal force with physical force. That's not proportional. Um, avoidance, in the instance where you're trapped, there's nowhere for you to go. You can't avoid anything, and, and stand your ground or not stand your ground is irrelevant. And then reasonableness. What would a reasonable person do in your place? And by reasonable, what we mean is somebody who is sane, somebody who is sober, somebody who is thoughtful, somebody who is moral. Uh, and what would they do? Would they do what you did in that moment, knowing what you knew? So, you know, knowing what your perspective was. So when is it okay? Well, when has it become a deadly force threat? So there's a bunch of people around you, and they are chanting bad slogans at you, and they're telling you you're a terrible human being because you're there. Now, you may or may not be a terrible human being because you're there. But somebody using words against you, you cannot use deadly force to protect yourself. And your vehicle, generally speaking, is considered a deadly force tool. So if people are standing around holding signs and you know chanting or whatever, and you smash them with your car, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to face charges for that because it was not a proportional use of force. You weren't under any deadly threat. You can be reasonably expected to sit there and wait for them to get tired of standing there and unless there is some other totality of the circumstances that says otherwise. In other words, if if I have somebody who's having a heart attack in the car and I have to get to help, um, there's something else that adds to the mixture. Somebody's under the threat of uh, of death here. I got to go. So you got to watch out for that. 
um, you know, the next thing that you got to think about is, is though, is, is if they're not just standing around, so people start grabbing at handles and they're trying to open your car doors. Well, now if you get taken out of your car and the, and the crowd around you is reasonably seen to be violent, then, then now that escalates to a place where you go, wait a minute, am I reasonably in fear for my life? Then I think a reasonable person at that point, they're trying to get into your car. They're trying to enter this safe space that you're in. Now your safety's gone away. Now you have imminent of a reasonable fear of death or grievous bodily injury, and then deadly force becomes far more reasonable. Mm. So I think that's an important point. Now, now you say, well, wait a minute. What if they're not, you know, they're, they're, instead they're banging on the hood of my car? Well, again, is banging on the hood of your car a reasonable threat? Is it, is it breaching your space? Probably not. However, banging on windows is a different story because once they breach that space, now they're in your space and, and, you know, they can do you a significant harm as well. So, um, you know, and again, so that's why in every self-defense encounter, we say the totality of the circumstances always dictates. It's never one thing that says this was good or not good. It's always the totality of the circumstances because they may not have busted your windows, but somebody may in that crowd, you know, you see them starting to pull a gun out of their own. Now you go, wait a minute. Now that's mm. a deadly threat because it can come right through the window and, and hurt me. And, and so then you might be justified to use your car to escape. Now, I think one more thing that's worth considering there is you say, wait a minute. Well, that one person is a threat, but what about all the other people around you? Generally speaking, the courts have held that um, if you're in a mob situation, a riot, that every person in the immediate vicinity of that mob is seen to be acting as one. So you don't necessarily have to discriminate um, against this person that was banging on, you know, my window to get in, this person that was trying to pull a door, and this person that was standing in front of the truck. They all act as one. So at the end of the day, the reason that we talk about getting training, about knowing your tools, knowing how to protect yourself is because you have to have a cool head in that moment uh, and, and reasonably think through and go, okay, wait a minute. Am I honestly under the threat, uh, imminent threat? of deadly force against me. If I am, and I can articulate that, I can actually say in court with some evidence of why I was in that fear, then I can use deadly force. And then we ask, not only can I, but must I? And if I must, then I do. Well, John, we try to encourage people that uh, carry guns to really take the study and learn what they're doing. But I mean, Things can escalate so quick. Like, remember the deal uh, back in the L.A. riots a long time ago when that truck driver was pulled out of that truck? I mean, yep. he tried to stay in his truck, and he tried to move, but they wouldn't let him move. Uh, he, If he would have just plowed through the crowd, he probably would have been arrested, but he chose to do the right thing and just stand still and end up, what, did he get killed or beat to death? Just beat. He got beat to death. Just right. beat. Yeah. Listen yeah. to me. And and so it's hard. So, you know, we have a responsibility as citizens to know what we can and can't do. Absolutely. And the second they went to go grab his door handle, he was entirely justified to use his rig to get out of there. Mm, Okay. Uh, Because at that moment, he was in the threat of deadly physical force. This was a riot going on around him. Uh, You know, he clearly could reasonably say if they pulled me out of that truck, they'd have beat me to death. Now, certainly in retrospect, we know that they did. And looking forward. In a riot situation, any reasonable, responsible citizen could say, I could be in that same kind of a situation if they pull me out of the car. You know, if I'm not a, a magic ninja kung fu master, um, <laughs> then I'm under the threat of great I am bodily not. harm. I'm just going to throw that out. I am not one of those things. Um, now, 
uh, we're, we're running out of time, but you have um, a lot of what we're talking about here actually starts with mental preparedness, right? Because you don't know you're in a situation until you're in it. But if you've kind of considered some what if scenarios, um, then especially watching the news, you could say, oh, well, we don't have any riots here today. But what if we did next week? What would I do if I was that lady in the car and blah, blah, blah. And you have a video series on your website that kind of deals with uh, the idea of mental preparedness. Am I right about that? Yeah, so what I'm known for is every day I, um, I take real-life surveillance video of real-life self-defense encounters. And some of those could be carjacking, could be armed robberies, uh, mugging, um, you name it. And we narrate them for lessons. So we, we talk through what actually happened as an after-action report, and then we go back and we learn lessons that we can apply to our own self-defense. There are supplements to live training. There are supplements if you're a self-defender to your firearms training, if you carry a firearm to your martial arts training or combatives or empty hand skills, whatever you want to call those. Um, and they are a reminder of the skills that you actually need. And we do those every single day of the year, 365 days a year. And we put them out there on our social media channels and on our website so that people can use them to protect themselves and their family. So as we wrap up, tell folks how they can check out those videos and, and also follow you on, on any social media platforms you're on. Well, everything is always on our website. Our website is ActiveSelfProtection.com. Uh, you can find us. Our two biggest social media channels are YouTube and Facebook. Our YouTube channel, you can just search in the YouTube bar for Active Self Protection or YouTube.com slash C slash Active Self Protection. You can find us on Facebook. Again, search in the search bar for Active Self Protection or it's Facebook.com slash Active Self Protection as well. Um, Find us there. You see uh, YouTube channel, obviously, is all the videos every day. Uh, the Facebook uh, page, we also post a lot of links, articles, um, discussions of self-defense, not just from a perspective of legal and moral self-defense, but also the skills that you need in order to protect yourself and your family from realistic threats. I love it. And I love your logo. Uh, uh, well, the, the slogan, I guess it is, Attitude, yep. Skills, plan, right? That's right. Yeah. So because everything starts with attitude, you know, if you don't have the attitude to protect yourself and a, a simple attitude that says no one has the right to harm me uh, or my loved ones. And so I'll do what I have to, to protect them skills. You know, you can have all the attitude in the world, but if you don't have the skills to defend your boundaries, then you can't. And having a plan means, you know, in that moment, what you can do and therefore what you will do if you face a, a given threat. Fantastic. John Correa of Active Self-Protection. Thank you so much for being with us. Always a pleasure. Anytime I can help you, just let me know. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We'd definitely have you back on. Bye-bye. All right. Stick around because we have an inventor in studio sitting right next to me, as a matter of fact. Scott Johnson has invented a holster for a rifle. Now, you know you want to stick around and hear about that right after this. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, 
Let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband and Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Thanks for sticking in there with us. We are Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are so glad you're here with us today. And if you've missed any portion of this show, uh, you can go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab, and you will see a recording of every single show that we've ever done, an audio recording. Uh, And also, if you are curious about our guests, you can click on the guest page. And that will show you, not only will it give you pictures, you know, to put a face with a voice of all of the guests we've ever had, but it also gives you a little bio on them and, and links to their Facebook page and their website and that sort of thing. So uh, lots of stuff to do on there. Stick around to blog. There's all kinds of fun stuff to do on our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Well, in keeping with our theme today, which is American Revival, and thinking about things in a new way with fresh eyes, our next guest is an Army veteran, and thank you for your service, Scott Johnson. He has invented a holster for rifles. So... I'm going to I'm going to lean on you a lot for this Scott to kind of help us understand cuz this is a very visual thing and we're going to have to paint word pictures. I know no pressure, right? <laughs> we're going to be painting word pictures in the sky here. Um so tell folks like how do you have a holster? What do you mean by a holster for a rifle? Well, through my years of being in the military, um the last 14 years of my career, I spent on a specialized reaction team. It's like the civilian equivalent of a SWAT team for police departments. Um, I was embedded with special forces, and I was the forensics guy for the team, meaning I collected evidence on the battlefield. So every time I either had to deal with a detainee, a prisoner, or collect uh, some sort of evidence, I'd have to bend down or go hands-on with the subject or collect this piece of evidence. Inadvertently, my rifle would either get slung behind my back and hopefully catch behind my pistol, or it would dangle in front of me, 
And as I would bend down, either my rifle would slam into the person, myself, <laughs> destroy evidence, or worse, get into the mud, clog up the barrel or something like that. Mm. So there's never been an easy way with securing your rifle with just a sling. Um, you can get it tight to your body, but it will always move. That's one of the purposes of a sling. Um, so I, after retirement and sitting around, I said there's got to be a better way to re- re- retain your rifle closer to your body. And I just started thinking about how I could do this, and I invented this system. I call it a retention system, but it's also a, a rifle holster. As I began my research, I found that there was nothing really holster out there for like an AR pistol or a small short barrel rifle, things that the, the specialized tack teams use. We're talking 16 inches or less on the barrel length. Um, so there were scabbards or sheaths that you would see like on the old cowboy and western days of the long Henry rifles going next to the saddle. There was nothing that really allowed uh, a tactical team guy to keep his rifle close to him but secure without banging around. So I invented this pin. Um, the first version that I have now is a, a replacement pin for the front takedown pin on the lower receiver of your AR. So my device will extend out to either the left or right. It is ambidextrous, depending on if you're a left shooter or a right-hand shooter. And uh, with the second component of this system, is either it's a receiver that can either connect to a, a vest or a belt. And when the two connect, it is on your body to stay there. So basically, rewinding a little... You're in the field. You're you're you have your AR platform rifle or some sort of a rifle, um, and you want it to catch, right? It's a tactical rifle, and you want it to catch on something, and and holster it in some way. So the name of your invention is. It's the it's technically the tactical transition catch, but we call it tactic catch for short. Sure. To catch, I like it. Uh, and that's exactly what it is. This is a very fast method of securing your rifle to your body. Used in conjunction with a sling, it's not going to go anywhere. It's been field tested by local SWAT teams here in the area. I've had it send out to some friends that I still have active duty military, and it does what it's supposed to do. allows you to go hands-free so you can detain a subject. Uh, it allows you to go hands-free so you can collect evidence. It allows you to not only that, uh, do those things, but it also relieves sling stress from your neck or your shoulders. And the best example I can give to you that is the uh, local police department here that covers the football games for the Arizona Cardinals. They have SWAT team uh, personnel deployed to those events, and they're on their feet for four to six hours. Um, and anybody who's carried a six, 14 to 16-pound rifle with a, a light and ammunition and, and night vision optics on there, they know that this rifle gets pretty heavy going around the neck. Well, this tactic catch the receiver, when it's connected to your belt or your vest, it disperses the weight of the rifle so that it no longer is just pulling on your neck or your shoulders. It, it makes it so much easier. And these guys were like, I kind of forgot that it was there, but I know that it's there. In a there. good way. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's what I've kind of wanted to do because I've been there 14, 16 hours on a mission in Iraq, and this thing just tears your neck apart, and you're just waiting to take it off. Well, for the guys uh, specifically like Border Patrol who have to have their rifles very close to them or if a SWAT team – uh, completes a mission, they're still on scene in a potentially threatened area. They still have their um, weapons close to them, and it deploys easily, and they love it. So, wait, Scott, so I have this on, and it's locked in. What if I need my gun real quick? It removes just like uh, it just simply pops out. There are two versions that I have on the receiver, one's with a safety catch that, require, that uh, allows you to have severely, I mean, uh, 
secure like you wouldn't believe. You actually have to release a lever to lift your rifle up. Um, and then the other version, which most of the tactical team guys have, they did not like the safety switch. Um, the receiver itself is about a two-inch drop, so with the 14-pound rifle that goes down into this two-inch drop, they've jumped, they've ran, they've crawled with this thing um, retained into this device, and it is not popped out unless they physically pull it out. And they said they had no issues with doing that. That's cool. I've seen it. It's really a neat item. Yeah, we got asked over for dinner and uh, got to see it, I think, in its uh, pre-production form, right? Absolutely. So. Um, I also wanted <laughs> to take You ask us this. over for dinner, you get asked on the radio. That's how this works. So. <laughs> I, I'm honored. I was just completely, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. I do want to announce that I've uh, entered a third pin into production, and nobody knows that until right now. Um, a lot of people were skeptical about removing the front takedown pin on their rifles, so now I have uh, just announcing and we're in um, beta testing for a key mod um, application for the pin. So it is a much shorter pin, but it allows um, the pin to be on a key mod, which of course will be Picatinny available as well. But those are the two most popular platforms for the handguards of a rifle. Awesome. That is so, and you did an amazing job of painting the word pictures. I, I thought I was going to have to, you know, maybe keep interjecting here and there, but you've got this down. You've done this a couple of times. Well, it's three years of experience and thinking about how to best keep this simple because we do want to keep it simple. For now, people that ha- couldn't vision what you're talking about, is there a place they can see this? Absolutely. They can go to our website, tacticatch.com. That's T-A-C-T-I, catch.com. They'll see some short videos. Um, I've got some new videos uh, that we've just uh, taken and pictures with police SWAT teams showing um, their full gear, full kit on how they use that. Um, Any questions that they may have, there's some testimony. There's different versions for them to choose from, a longer pin or a shorter pin. And uh, soon I will have my key mod pin available for them. Fantastic. Those are great pictures. Who took those? (laughs) Um, you, you know, Dan, as I got injured in Iraq, I had to learn a hobby and a potential second career. So I actually took some of these pictures um, through the skills that I learned through my, my wife, who's a photographer. So. You guys God, are, thank you for your service. You guys it's are awesome, awesome photographers. Um, before I let you go, I just want to definitely say that the Tacticatch, it is highly versatile, right? It doesn't matter if you're a six-foot-tall, 300-pound dude. Or if you're, you know, maybe a, a hundred pound, uh, smaller framed female, absolutely, or anything in between, right? Absolutely. In fact, I have another shoot scheduled soon um, with a female who is a novice to the gun world that will be demonstrating the how easy it is to use this system. Fantastic. How much are they? Um, right now, um, I'm doing a Christmas sale, pre-sale, and we're doing, I think, fifteen percent off. So I think you can get one shipped to you. Uh, for around $62 right And that's now. the whole thing. That's everything I need to. Yep. Wow. And they go. Oh, and it's made here in America, by oh, the way, right fantastic. here in Phoenix, Arizona. Fantastic. We highly value that. Made in America. Now, uh, list off the kind of guns that it uh, works with, and then we will start wrapping up. Right now, the only pins that I have in inventory are for the 5.56 platform. Um, we do have the AR-10 or the bigger caliber 308 that is being measured and being um, blueprinted for the CAD machines. And then, of course, my new pin that will come out will go on any key mod. So that will be even for AKs. That will be for MP5s. Anything that has a, a key mod rail system. Right now we're just at 5.56 on the AR platform. I'm hearing 
Christmas gifts, Hanukkah gifts. It's a perfect stocking stuffer. It's the box is three inches square by three inches, so it fit perfectly perfect. in a stocking. I love it. Well, Scott Johnson of TacticCatch.com. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your new invention with us. Thank you for having me. I love you guys. You're awesome. We Thank love you. you right back. Thank you so much. All right, stick around. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Erin Paulette of, she wears many hats, but she is the founder of Operation Blazing Sword, which is an LGBT-friendly gun group. She also is the co-hostess of the Blogcast, I'm sorry, Gun Blog Variety Cast podcast. Stick around. Hey, everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back, and thanks for, we're, we're a little wild here in the <laughs> studio. We have some in-studio guests, and uh, we're, we're having a good time. Uh, you are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona, well, our, our theme today is American Revival, and we had a, a wonderful time talking to people about you know, looking at things through a different lens and, and recharging our batteries and, um, you know, getting more involved or re-involved or involved for the first time in the American process that we have here of, of paying attention to elections, educating ourselves, voting, and then, uh, and then what do you do afterwards? Well, there are a lot of people out there that are very distressed. They're very upset. They're feeling disconnected from what they felt was their America and their president. 
And uh, one of the the groups or the communities that I think is feeling this uh, very heavily happens to be the LGBTQ community. But we have Miss Erin Paulette joining us now, and she's the founder of Operation Blazing Sword that provides LGBTQ-friendly firearm safety education to the gun curious. I love that little saying, to the gun curious. Uh, she's also the co-hostess of the Gun Blog Variety Cast, which is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. And she's going to kind of talk to us a little bit about how she is tapped into a community that isn't uh feeling this disenfranchisement uh, with the election. So are you with us, Aaron? I am. Can you hear me? Absolutely. And and thank you. I know we had a little bit of trouble with Skype uh, getting you on, but uh, we hung in there and and now the payoff. We get to, to pick your brain on some things here. Um, so why why is it that, that you and the Blazing Sword community, how come you're not freaking out about the Trump presidency? Well, I have a couple reasons. Um, the first reason is that if you look at Trump's historical record, he is very, very LGBTQ positive. Uh, I'd like to refer people to an interview he did with The Advocate, which is a gay magazine, as far back as the year 2000, where he mentioned that uh, LGBTQ people were welcome in his presidency and he was comfortable around them. So this is a position he has held for 16 years, if not more, and I don't see that changing. There has been a lot of worry about what his administration will do, largely because of his vice president. And Pence has gone on record as being, well, I wouldn't specifically say anti-LGTBQ, but he is very conservative religious right And they have a track record of viewing all forms of homosexuality as sin. And that's his right. I'm not going to tell him that he's wrong for believing that. Um, You just don't want him legislating on that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, There's a difference between what you believe and what you outlaw. But the thing here is that Pence is the vice president. And I have to ask, when has the vice president really amounted to anything when it comes to domestic policy? I mean, come on, the first lady has more influence over what the country does than the vice president. So I'm not worried in that regard. That's true. And finally, just to summarize, and I've got to plug myself here, Mm -hmm. the fact that Operation Blazing Sword, which is an organization of, well, stereotypically, straight white people who are gun owners who are not only willing to train LGBTQ people in the means of self-defense that's also a way of saying we respect you and your rights even if we disagree with some of your policies and lifestyle and at this point we've got over 1300 trainers and so if there are 1300 people who are willing to train LGBTQ in in how to use guns, I really don't think that they're going to sit idly by while these people's rights are violated. Mm. So, yeah, I'm not at all worried here. That is fantastic. And I, you know, I love that, that voice of calm and logic. And, um, you know, when you cited the, the article that Trump was interviewed in several years ago, and just the way that he, because I, I read that, I found it on your Facebook page, and I read that, and I said, you know, that's somebody that he's not condescending in any way. He's not being one of these, well, you know, I will tolerate. I mean, he just, 
He's just, you're a human being first, right? Yeah. And you have skills that I want to hire or you don't. <laughs> and the rest yeah. of it is completely uh, nothing I'm concerned with. And I just, I, I think that if, if people could maybe um, tap into that and really understand more about that, uh, it, it might bring the, the panic level down several notches. But talking about um, a community of people, and, and anybody, you think about anybody that's a minority and has been in any way marginalized, right? We could talk about uh, blacks. We could talk about uh, women. We could talk about Asians. We could talk about the LGBTQ. Whoever you picture when you think about a minority that's been marginalized. I personally feel like we should be, because I'm a woman, we should be on the front lines fighting for every word every syllable of our our constitutional rights, including our Second Amendment rights. But there is a huge faction, maybe huge is the wrong word, of the LGBT community that is almost engaging in gun shaming. So help me yes. understand that. What, where, where do I stand on that? I said help me understand that. Okay. Um, what this is is unfortunately identity politics. Because if you look at the history of the LGBTQ community and their rights, they were sponsored by the left and the Democrat Party in the 60s and 70s when gay rights were new and controversial. And so because the left has a track record of supporting them, the LGBTQ community then picks up its side and supports them. Unfortunately, that goes part and parcel with the whole philosophy of the Democratic Party being heavy on gun control and light to non-existent on gun rights. And so if you are a good LGBTQ, you are a good Democrat, and therefore you support gun control. Mm. And it's only recently since I think about the year 2000 with the advent of pink pistols that there has been this growth in our community where they say it is okay to have a gun and be gay. The two are not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. And what we are seeing now as a result of the Pulse terrorist attacks, where a large portion of our community felt like they were thrown under the bus because the reaction from the left seemed to be less uh, less condemnation of the attacks and the attackers, less concern for the victims, and more concern for let's make sure that uh, I'm going to be horribly politically incorrect here. That's let's okay. make sure <laughs> that the Muslim community doesn't feel singled out. Let's make sure that we don't label this as a terrorist attack because we might hurt feelings. Mm. And so my community feels like we have been thrown under the bus. And the party which had purported to support us for decades is now more concerned about not hurting overseas feelings. And so that is another reason why there's been this explosive growth, both of LGBTQ gun owners and in non-LGBTQ people who are supporting and, in fact, encouraging this interest in gun ownership, gun education, gun safety, and most importantly, gun voting. Wow. And, you know, from my perspective, you can't be 
too educated. You can't know too many things, right? And so if you're just educated and maybe get a little bit of training, you doesn't mean you have to own a gun. But if you chose to own a gun, now you are prepared for that. But if you've just walled yourself off from the whole idea, you might find yourself in a situation or a time in history when you you want that protection and now you've you've disenfranchised yourself. One of the things that I like to bring up is that the left is very much against abstinence-only sex education, and I understand that. But then I like to bring up, well, if that's the case, then why do you seem to favor abstinence-only gun education? Hmm. And so... Interesting. Yeah, thank you. I like, uh, that. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you have my permission to use it. All right. And so the point of Blazing Sword isn't to put a gun in everyone's hands. It is to educate them on what it is to own and operate a firearm. And from there, they can make an informed decision as to whether or not gun ownership is right for them. And what I'm seeing here as a result of Trump's election and some of the fear is that there are a lot of people who previously thought guns were bad, evil, scary, And now they are wondering, well, in the wake of Trump being elected, do I need to get a gun for self-protection? Will Mm -hmm. I need to resist the government? And that puts me in a very interesting position Mm -hmm. uh, because on the one hand, I don't want to feed the fear. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, anything that brings them to our table Mm -hmm. is good. And so I'm treading that fine line and I'm saying, hey, you know, I don't think you have anything to worry about. But mm-hmm. if you're interested in learning, here is a great way because hashtag the Second Amendment is for you, too. And wow. so if you'd like to own a gun, if you'd like to find out more about it, I have all these people who are willing to help you and educate you. And there are some members of the gun community who are reticent about this because they see this as potentially arming the enemy, and I understand their feelings. But the way I look at it is this. They are worried about a potential long-term situation where the people they educate and help arm turn against them. And I think that's very unlikely. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think it's far more likely that if we educate them that guns are not scary and inherently evil, but are instead empowering and our tools, the only malice is imparted by the people who use them, then they will hopefully become gun voters. And that will give us a more concrete and a more realistic gain. And and so that's what I'm measuring against. And I think there is far more to be gained by reaching out to these people. Uh, I'm being flippant here, but it turns out to be uh, join for the fear, stay for the freedom. (laughs) Aaron, I... I, um, I, I look at it a different way. I think that, getting back with Trump, I think that Trump is going to run the country like a business. And any business that alienates any type of group is going to lose uh, customers. Exactly. And, and so Trump has to think about what's going to happen in four years from now. And so he needs to take every group, every organization that are, you know, and, and help them and support them and work with everyone. Absolutely. Well, that's what we hope for. And that's, that's what I 
that's what I voted for. So, I, of course, that's where my hope is. But well, we've got to wrap up. But what an interesting thing that here, you know, this tool has now kind of become a, a place where very opposite, seemingly opposite sides have come together because previously the group of people that were like, you know, we got to be sure that we're armed so the government doesn't come against us used to be looked at like y'all are a bunch of wackos, right? Mm-hmm. And now we've got a whole new crop of people that are like, oh my gosh, we got to arm ourselves because the government, we might need to protect ourselves against the government. Yeah, and it's kind of refreshing to see the ki- to see the side that normally was all for big government now beginning to appreciate that healthy distrust. And I like that. Yes. Amen to that. Well, we have to run, unfortunately, but we are definitely going to have you back on again because you always bring such a a great perspective uh, to the airwaves. Miss Erin Paulette, tell folks how they can reach out and find you online. Well, you can find us through the Blazing Sword Facebook page. Just go to Facebook and type in Blazing Sword and you'll find us. And you also have the Gun Blog Variety Cast that you're yes, a host on. Yes, gunblogvarietycast.com. That is the weekly podcast hosted by Sean Sorrentino and myself, where we talk about a variety of topics that are of interest to the gun owner. Fantastic. Thank you again so much for taking the time and coming on. And we will definitely be talking to you again soon. Aaron Paulette. My, my pleasure, Miss Cheryl. I'll be here anytime you want me. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, running to commercial when we come back. We have a responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary. Um. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bob Maine. Now that you have your concealed carry license, I think you and I probably both know that that class probably wasn't really training. Have you ever thought about getting some training beyond your concealed carry? license. Well, that's why Ben Branham and I decided to call our classes Beyond Concealed Carry. We're going to teach you how to move and shoot, how to shoot one-handed, even how to shoot and make hits without the use of your sights. And if that's something for you and you think you'd like to take advantage of that, as a Self-Defense Radio Network listener, you can get nice discounts on the classes and the subsequent video programs for reinforcement. All you have to do is visit the listener discount page at selfdefenseradio.net and put in the password SDRN, all lowercase. Again, the listener discount page in all lowercase, SDRN. Hope to see you at a class soon. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. 
hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Collier sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are in the segment of the show where we have our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary. Um. And I love the responsibly armed citizen report because... Responsibly armed citizens use guns 2.5 million times a year for self-defense. 2.5 million times. Responsibly? Responsibly. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never hear about these stories on the network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. Fights a never-ending battle for truth. Justice and the American way. And I love that, too, because we are fighting for truth, justice, and the American way, right? The Constitution and our rights to to be responsibly armed citizens. And then we have to do the work to be responsibly armed, right? Legally armed, constitutionally armed, responsibly armed. Well, today's story, you know, Dan, danger thinks he's clever. He slinks around looking for victims who he thinks are easy prey. Small-statured men or women. Distracted people whose eyes are glued to their smartphones. Even the disabled and elderly. Anyone who Danger thinks will not put up a struggle. Danger also likes the cover of darkness. Although he will take advantage of, you know, any time of day if he thinks he's got an advantage, right? So Danger Danger likely thought he had found some easy pickings as he was stalking at 11.30 at night in a rural, small community, a sparsely populated area, and spotted a thin-framed woman reaching down into her car for something. He approached from behind and physically attacked her, planning to have the upper hand with size, strength, and with the element of surprise as well as the cover of darkness. What Danger didn't count on was that something this lady was getting out of her car was her firearm. And what Danger didn't know is that this responsibly armed citizen was not just a small-statured woman, but a well-trained, off-duty law enforcement officer. An attempted robbery in a rural neighborhood last night. Fort Matilda woman says a man attacked her in her driveway, demanded money, and when she went to get something from her car. But the would-be robber was in for a surprise, and Matt Baumgarten talked to the victim and her family today and has more. It all happened back this driveway here along Hannah Hill Lane in Taylor Township around 11.30 Wednesday night. The victim says she believes the suspect was just looking for an easy target. I think it was just someone out looking for make some quick money, maybe steal some stuff, and they saw me out there and thought, oh, this will be easy. 
Little did the suspect know, Emma Troutman is a trained law enforcement officer. She says she had a headache and was going out to get medicine from her car. That's when an unknown man grabbed her by the arm, pushed her head against the car window, and demanded cash. I opened up the car, just the door a little bit, and he backed off, thinking I was getting my purse or something. And I had my pistol on inside the door. So I grabbed it with my one hand, and when I spun around and he had that, he took off running. Troutman says although the situation was terrifying, she's glad it happened to her and not someone else. If it would have happened to like an elderly neighbor or someone that's a little more shy and I'm afraid something worse might have happened. Troutman has two small children, a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Troutman's mother says this shows no matter where you live, it can happen to you. Just because we're way out doesn't mean we're safe. Um, and I think that we do have to defend ourselves just because of the response time. At this point, police say they haven't been able to track down the man responsible for the attack, but they say the investigation is still ongoing. That's awesome. You know, 10 years ago, a criminal might have thought, oh, she's reaching in to get a beanie baby out of a car. But <laughs> a, That was random. But a gun. I mean, it's 1130. Awesome. I, I forgot my beanie baby in the car. I better go retrieve it. You never know. But I mean, uh, how, how stupid Ray. do you have to be to, to reach in somebody in a car, you know? Yeah. To grab somebody that's reaching in their car. So true. I mean, uh, but that is the power. That's the leveling agent right. of a firearm. Because absent the firearm, what was she left with? Right. You know, right. he outweighed her. He had the advantage, too. He was behind her. Exactly. That's not a good place to be. Exactly. So... Anyway, that's one of the reasons we love those stories, because we have to find them on the local stations. You know, I'm, I'm out there searching on the Internet uh, looking for these kinds of stories, because on CNN or Fox or MSNBC, crickets. You're never going to hear that unless the lady had died. Right. Then they tell you. Yeah, But now we have another story we that do. did get on the news a little bit. Now, this is your commentary. Tell yourself that you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. Okay, so talking about the news, this story did get on the news. Gun show shooting. What? Somebody got shot at a gun show? Somebody got shot in a gun show at the Dixie Gun and Knife Classic Gun Show. But you know what? That's the thing that I'm irritated about. Why did the media say that this was a gun show shooting when it didn't happen at the gun show? Gee whiz. I can only imagine why they called it a gun show well, shooting. I guess technically, if you really, really went deep, you could say that it was. But here's what happened. So a man and a woman and a friend go into a gun show and they look around, they buy a gun and they come out to the car. And as they're leaving the parking lot, the uh, man hands a gun to the guy in the back Mm -hmm. and also hands his loaded gun to him. Mm -hmm. And so the guy in the back accidentally shot the girl in the front, Mm. went through the headliner, through the seat and shot her in the head. But she survived. So first of all, it was in a, they were leaving the parking lot. I can't say the gun that was fired was not bought at the gun show. And so I, I don't understand that why they would say that at the gun show shooting, and first of all, and second, who goes to a gun show and leaves at 10 o'clock in the morning? 
<laughs> I mean, that's, that's taboo in itself. They're not trying hard enough. And third, okay, here's the most important thing, no jokes aside. Why did this man in a moving vehicle hand a loaded gun to somebody in the back seat? That is not being responsible. That is not a responsible citizen uh, gun guy. So um, my thing is, James and I want to tell him, you have to practice gun safety all the time. No way he should have been given a gun. Well, and the guy in the back seat wasn't practicing gun safety either. But we could spend an entire half an hour on that story, and we might dive back into it. But for today, we've got to wrap up. We want to thank our wonderful tech crew, our amazing listeners, and our guests who come and spend time out of their life and their day and and share something new with us, share something that's their expertise. It's so valuable to us. We're so blessed. And until next time, please pray for this nation of ours. Pray for our our men and women that walk the thin blue line, our our officers. And pray for our leaders. Um, The majority of them? All of them. Even the ones you don't like, especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. Our founding fathers... Here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advance beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since. Evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.